Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems will bless your ears, baby. I listen to hidden gems every night before I go to bed. I listen to hidden gems in the kitchen. Hidden gems. Welcome back to Hidden Gems. Today we're joined by Max McCoy. Max, thank you for joining us, and I'm really excited to see what you have to share on the game of basketball and outside the game of basketball as kind of a holistic episode that we're we're having this one. I'm really excited to get into it. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'd like to start out with uh, your journey, and you know, you've been involved in the game of basketball for a really long time, and then now you are uh, a content creator and doing a lot of different stuff with the game of basketball, but also just as a whole with different aspects of life to reach a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. Yeah, man. So I started off playing basketball my whole life. It was my world. Like everybody uh, probably listening to this podcast, it was my sport. It was my life. I put in a ton of time and work to try to be the best I could be. I played only a year of college ball, broke my ankle and decided to stop playing and it was the tr- transitioning out of basketball that I began to grow more than maybe ever. And here I was thinking I had grown so much within the sport and the, you know, the game taught me so much about myself and about life and about what it means to work hard towards something. And it was only until transitioning out of the sport and finding other ways to keep myself almost mentally sane and focused and work- working on things that I found, I began to find tools that I only could look back and wish I had those tools when I was still playing basketball. Things like meditation, right. journaling. I started reading more. I started just becoming, like you said, a holistic and more maybe well-rounded person. And uh, that has since become kind of a part of my work, has been starting to share that information within the world of sports with the basketball community specifically, kind of sharing what I knew back when I was an athlete. You know, I, I learned a lot by studying people. And then when I transitioned out of the sport, I tried to continue to kind of make content and things and and spreading these ideas that might be able to help athletes within their sport, but also like far beyond in life too. Sure, absolutely. And quarantine time has been unique for a lot of people too. And like you were saying, just to kind of become more well-rounded and and better as a person has been a great time for me too, you know, just getting into reading books. You know, we're always, always in a rush and, and having time to kind of slow down and be able to you know, reflect and do some different stuff is really powerful. So and that's powerful, actually, um, well, that's how I've gotten to know you and your work is through your podcast. And it started as Mind Body Hoops. And, and now it's looking up with Max McCoy. And um, I actually shared it with my girlfriend and she loved listening to it as well. And it was it was really cool to hear all the different type of stuff that you've been doing. So can you talk a little bit about what you're doing now and, you know, looking up and the other stuff you have going on? Yeah, so the podcast was initially Mind Body Hoops. Um, again, coming from basketball, I just stuck with the world, what I knew best, which was basketball. And as I've grown, I, I had a, a year or so with that name, and I, I, I decided I didn't want to be under the umbrella of basketball specifically only because I do so many other things outside of the sport. I am also a freelance creative. I help, uh, I work with a lot of authors and help them kind of with content and stuff like that and helping their message spread. So I do a bunch of other things. And and so with looking up with the podcast, I kind of just wanted to have a name and an umbrella that kind of encompassed all the other things I was doing. But I would say what it's about is still, you know, mind body performance. It's, it's studying the mind, studying the body, studying how to be a, a top performer. It's again, this holistic approach to being a high performer in whatever your sport is. And a lot of my audience is still basketball players, but it also now can kind of bleed into other aspects of our lives, 
whether that's sure. figure whether that's like for me I you know I found a lot of passion in helping people find out what they want to do if they're not sure after basketball what are you going to do with your life that kind of stuff also plays into the podcast so um, just spreading a little bit wider but still staying within that you know that same kind of ethos right and it's been interesting to see you know the transition but like you were saying it it's interesting because a lot of you know hoopers or basketball players might kind of label themselves as that but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't you know grow in other areas or or mm-hmm. even just apply other aspects into your game when it comes to life and I think it's really interesting how you've you've taken that approach and made it all come together um, yeah for sure and now it's transitioned into looking up is is that just you know a different name you that really embodies it more or what was that transition you know, I just wanted to feel supported in any way that I grew, to be honest, man. Like as I grow as a person and as a man, I think the content I put out is going to change a little bit just to make me feel like what I'm doing is totally authentic. I'm not sure. a, I'm not a professional basketball player. I'm not a skills trainer. I didn't think that Mind Body Hoops like was a full uh, representation of who I was becoming. And I thought, you know, the name Looking Up kind of tapped on a lot of you know, it's a, a name that can be up for interpretation, but it kind of does embody what I'm trying to bring to the world and, you know, just a positive mindset and, and whether it's looking up to people, whether it's looking up to something beyond yourself. Uh, I just, I liked the name and I rolled with it, man. And it just, it yeah. was va- it was a vague enough, like you said, so that I could continue to touch the people I was touching in the athletics world. But also it didn't scare people away that maybe weren't basketball players that were, you know, wanted to resonate with my, my work and things like that. So it, it just allowed me to reach a, I'd, I'd say just a little big, bigger of an audience. Sure. That's really cool. And you talk about, you know, the importance of the mind. And I think in the past few years, maybe that, that wave has kind of grown and, and we're seeing, you know, the importance, but still a lot of people aren't really aware of, you know, your, your mind body connection and even how it applies to sport. And uh, can you just kind of touch a little bit on, you know, the importance of the mind? For sure, man. So when I finished playing basketball, uh, that's when I really started to be like, okay, I'm not playing, I'm not working out three hours a day. And when you stop exercising that much, your mind gets even a, a louder. So people who have those thoughts running through their head all day, you know, take away basketball for even a couple of days. I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing this in quarantine. Uh, oh yeah. You start to notice your mind's a little crazier than usual. And so I started <laughs> when I transitioned out of basketball, man, I was really looking for ways to work on that. And so like I did when I played basketball, I studied, you know, the people I wanted to be like Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, those are my guys. When I transitioned out of basketball, I was like, okay, who are these new models that I can learn from? And they, you know, Kobe was still one of them. It was people like entrepreneurs like Tim Ferriss, Steve Jobs. And I started to see this common thread between all these high-performing people, and they all meditated. They all had some sort of practice that they got a grip on their thoughts. And I was like, why why don't I do this? And so I started to dive into this world. And man, I only could wish that I was doing this when I was playing basketball because the, the correlation between you and your thoughts and what's going on in your head, it's so easy to, for us to think, this is just the way I am. This is just the way I am. This is how my mind operates. Oh, and yeah, yeah. You never look at someone who's ripped and has all these muscles and you just say, oh, look, he just like was born that way. No, he put in so much time to get that refined muscle and the brain is the same way. And mm-hmm. it sounds simple, but none of us were really taught this and none of us were really given this, you know, we're never offered this kind of information. And so I, a lot of the mind body connection stuff I'm talking about is just helping people realize how simple it can be, but that it's a practice and that, you know, you can strengthen your mind and, and how that relates to 
things like how you react on the basketball court when something bad happens to you. That's like the easy example. If something goes wrong, you're able to kind of control that emotion you might normally have. But also with things like fear and anxiety and just being mm-hmm. calm in pressure situations, if you look at Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan as the two obvious examples, they're famous meditators. You know, Phil Jackson got them meditating and they are known as some of the most clutch players in the game. So having that yeah. relationship with fear, having the relationship with um, who you are and just a overall self-awareness uh, in your thoughts – is going to serve people in whatever they're trying to be a high performing or high performer in like basketball, but it's also a skill and a practice that can transcend far beyond the sport and essentially I think help every aspect of your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. And you actually just had a podcast episode, you know, about mental performance and and visualization and meditation. And I thought it was really powerful. It was really cool to hear. And there's kind of this stigma you know, around like meditation and even, you know, visualization as maybe being out there or, you know, kind of iffy because you don't see that progress maybe right in front of you. And, you know, it, it, it is really effective and powerful for the mind. Can you kind of speak on, you know, maybe getting past that hump or, or getting into it and, you know, how it really is like there's tangible data and in, in science behind it and how like it, there is a place for it for for athletes and people of all walks of life. For sure, man. I mean, I think visualization is powerful for everybody, but it's funny because athletes specifically have the um, the amazing ability to apply what they visualize right away. So many other people are visualizing things like I want to be rich. I want to be this. And those things take time. Right. With basketball, if you want to visualize a new move, if you want to get better at something that you just can't seem to get down, of course, put in practice, put in reps, and you're building that muscle memory. But tools like visualization, where you close your eyes, you kind of meditate a little bit, you bring your focus to your breath, but then you you start to mentally rehearse the thing you want to get better at. There is science to prove that your brain has a very difficult time telling the difference between something that actually occurred and something that's really vividly thought of. So Right. I remember you, you saying that and that blew me away. That's so interesting to me. You are yeah, your brain so your brain's literally and I, I'm not a scientist, but I just have studied this stuff. Sure. There there's data saying, you know, there are new there are neural pathways, there are connections in your brains that are being built every time you think a very specific and focused thought. So if I'm shooting free throws and I shoot ten of them, that's building you know, neural pathways in my brain. But if I mentally rehearse them, it's doing a similar thing. And so athletes Mm -hmm. have this amazing opportunity that they can develop some sort of visualization practice around something that they maybe struggle with. And it could be a actual skill. It can be how you show up. It can be like the confidence you walk with on the court. You can visualize that. And essentially you are training your brain to expect a certain outcome to happen. So when you get up a hundred reps over and over, uh, in real life, you are, you know, you begin to expect that that outcome will occur if you're doing it right. But when you visualize the same thing happens and you can begin to visualize the things that you want to happen, create new neural pathways in your brain. And when you show up to do those things, you just feel that much more confident. Your brain knows what's going on. And it's as if you've developed muscle memory um, before the thing has even happened. And so there's mm-hmm. so much data to go into this. And it's really one of the most powerful things, you know, an athlete can add to their repertoire is some sort of visualization practice. And just really cool. one more thing, just um, for people, like you said, I want to touch on that point. It was a great point that people are skeptical and, you know, you, know, you don't really know if this will work. Um, with any skill, I would just offer that in the beginning, you don't know if it's working, but just continue to show up and show up and throw one pebble in a bucket every day. Eventually yeah. that 
eventually that bucket's going to be filled up with rocks. And that's kind of the same thing with visualization. And for anybody that doubts the mind's ability to create a physical result in your life, take a minute, close your eyes, visualize yourself pulling out a lemon, cut the lemon open, and visualize as clear as you can taking a big bite of that lemon. And you will feel kind of these glands in the back of your throat. Make yeah. this thing. It's like it, it almost makes you cringe. That is just a silly example, man, of our body always creates a physical result to the thoughts that we think. And that's why visualization can be a major tool for people to kind of step into the results they want to create and to create uh, neural pathways to, to make that closer to happening. Yeah, <laughs> that's an awesome example. And, and like we talked about, you know, quarantine is a really unique time because everybody's moving so fast all the time. And now we like we have to stop and be still. Are there maybe some tangible ways or or would you recommend, you know, to people listening, just ways to get into meditation and and just a, a place to start maybe even or e- even with visualization as well? Yeah, man. I mean, I think uh, the best way to start if you have never done this before you've never meditated, I think it's going to be really easy for you to sit down and think you're doing it wrong because of how simple it is and also how it is difficult at first because your mind has never, if you've never meditated, your mind has never been invited to calm down, to still. You've never tried to almost differentiate from your thoughts and that's kind of the practice of uh, mindfulness and meditation is you you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are things that happen and with practice, you become the observer. So if you sit down and try to meditate yeah. and, you've, and you've never done it, it's going to be very difficult and it's going to be so easy for you to say, I'm probably doing this wrong. So I would recommend, man, just get a mental uh, training app, maybe like uh, Headspace or Calm. They always have free trials. Pri- try it for a week. Get an app, get a free trial, practice it for a week, or go on YouTube and type in 10-minute guided meditation. That is a really good way to start Um and, you know, the, the practice of meditation you'll learn is just focusing on the breath and thoughts are going to come and they're going to go, but your job is just to come back to the, the breath. And again, that's, that's creating some space between you and your thoughts. And that's effective because when you have fearful thoughts or you're nervous or the yeah. ref makes you mad, you have these thoughts. And with a practice, you can learn to let those thoughts go rather than clinging to them and let them take over your game and your emotion and your life. Yeah. Um, in terms of visualization, you, you maybe won't be able to find an app so easily. I would invite people to, um, you know, two things, maybe one, take 10 minutes set a timer on your phone and whatever the goal is you're trying to accomplish, take a pen and paper and write out in the, in the present tense, what that goal would feel like had you accomplished it. Like, what is it like? What are the details? Write it out with a pen and paper and just have fun with that for 10 minutes and feel the energy in your body. I think that's a really powerful exercise that maybe not enough people have done. When you get something onto paper and see it objectively, see your goals objectively and write it in the first, uh, in the present tense. So not like I want this, you'll write it as if I do have this, this is already mine, this is mine. That's a really fun exercise. And then you can Mm -hmm. maybe take just three to five minutes, sit there, close your eyes, and as much detail as you can, visualize the thing that you want to happen most. Imagine it's already happened. What kind of person are you? How do you walk? How do you talk? How do you look at the people around you? How do you carry yourself? How do you feel about yourself? Do you feel proud, grateful? And don't question how you got there. Just visualize the end result, and that is a very powerful way to, again, just create these chemicals and these brain functions 
uh, again, on a science level, this stuff has been proven um, yeah. to, allow, to allow you to begin to navigate towards that. And I think that's a really good place to start. Yeah, for sure. And you, you talk about progress. I think it's really interesting. I just started a book, Atomic Habits. And nice. one example that they give in this is it's talking about a plane leaving from Los Angeles. If you adjust it by maybe a couple degrees, maybe a foot or two, instead of ending up in you know New York, you end up in D.C. And, <laughs> and it, uh, the point is kind of talking about how you know, you might start something and it might seem so minor, but maybe you look a year down the road or you get to your destination and you look back and you see how much of a difference it can make. Just maybe 10 minutes a day starting that you won't see the progress immediately. But when you look down the road or once you've, you know, fully committed to it and you look back, you think, wow, this has been such a difference maker for me. And I think that was another interesting example to kind of convey that. That's an that's a great point, man. It's the smallest habits. It's the things you do every day that make the biggest difference, man. So for me, like it wasn't meditating for a week that changed my life, but it was. I looked back on a year, and I was like, dang, like those ten minutes a day really changed everything. And I love that example. It's kind of like a golf ball too. I like that version of it too. Same thing. If you hit a golf ball and you just turn the club just barely, that golf uh, that golf ball's trajectory will change so much. And so, yeah, what is your changing of the golf club what is your small things that you do if you don't have 10 to 20 minutes a day to work on your mind when you are working on your body and your skills for hours and hours a day what are you doing like what so you know it's as easy as just changing the trajectory just a little bit just like course correcting just a little bit like you said so that in the long run you're going where you want to go and not you know miles in the other direction yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that you touched on that really is the beauty of it when you talk about meditation and, you know, just all this as a whole is that it doesn't just apply to athletes or basketball players. And it also doesn't just apply to people that are done with the game. It can apply both ways and, and it can enhance your basketball game, but it can also just improve you as a person. And I think that's one thing that, you know, people miss, but I think it's becoming more powerful and more useful in, in today's world is mental health in you know, sports and life and just being aware of, you know, being a whole person and how important it is, especially mm-hmm. as an athlete. Totally, man. I mean, uh, I would just offer, you know, that word mental health, it's something I'm passionate about, but it also scares some people away because they're like, well, I don't have a mental illness. And, right. uh, and I think you don't realize your mental state until you get, like, you don't know what it feels like to be uh, all over the place until you get really clear. You don't know what it feels like to be centered and calm and grounded until until you finally do. And I think with these practices, people will see it's not like you need to fix something that's broken. I think it's just more like why wouldn't you enhance your your mind? Why wouldn't you become more happy? Why wouldn't you become more grounded? Um, and then once you get to that point, I think a lot of people see that you know it's hard to go back to what they were, and it's it's hard to tell that your your mind's kind of in a muddy water. When you've mm-hmm. been there your whole life, but yeah. then when you kind of get things to calm and to still, you realize like, wow, I am so much more effective. Um, you know, I don't think it can help people's game. I think it will for sure, my man, help yeah. people help people's game. And then yeah, it transcends to what you do after basketball, what you do with your sport, how you treat the people in your life, how you you know every aspect of your life will evolve when you treat uh, your mind with care and and with effort. So totally, man, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, with visualization, talking about writing down. And on that note, can you kind of speak about the importance of journaling and actually what that's meant for your life? I know you're a big fan of that and you're a strong advocate for that. Yeah, man. So 
all these things we're touching on are just tools and they're all different tools for a different result. So yeah. journaling for me is, I would say the, the thing that's like meditation. I meditate, I visualize, but journaling is so powerful in in mm. getting your thoughts out on the paper. So with meditation, you're trying to learn how to let your thoughts go, let your thoughts go. But sometimes you can be caught in a bind in your life. You can't seem to hit past this threat this threshold or you feel you feel fearful or anxious and you're you you know there's something there you just can't see and when you journal there's a weird thing that happens with the unconscious mind that things that you don't know are going on or things that are causing turbulence in your mind you give them the space to come out onto paper and so with journaling for me it's a really powerful tool man to just get thoughts out of my head onto paper to be able to see my thoughts for what they are it's like the boogeyman i love this example that (laughs) When there's a boogeyman under the bed, it seems scary. It seems crazy. You don't want to look. And that's how people treat their thoughts sometimes. But the second you get the courage to look under the bed, you're like, oh, man, that's it. There's nothing under there. So with <laughs> yeah. journal- with journaling, it's like, man, I don't even want to know what's going on in my head. I feel so fucked up. Sorry for cursing. No, you're you, good. You type uh, or you, you write out you know, what's going on and you look at it and you're like, oh, man, like that's not so bad. That's not That's not as bad as I thought. Um, and that's one of the powerful things about journaling, but it's also another tool that can help you just get really uh, clear on your goals. So one thing I can you know offer to people if they want is spend you know every day, once a week, once a month even, write down your goals. Like I said, uh, get super clear on what you want your life to be like, what you want your game to be like, what you want your relationships to be like, and get very clear. And people who write down the things they want, there's a crazy uh, statistics that says you're 40% more likely for that thing to happen once you write it down, just yeah. writing, just writing it down. Uh, and so, you know, getting clear on your thoughts, the nature of your mind, if you have any problem, just writing about it, you may not think you have anything to write about, but the second you sit down and write, it seems like the unconscious just pours out all this information and you're able to process it and navigate properly. Uh, but then also just for setting your sights on the goals you want to achieve and getting super clear journaling is one of those Swiss army knife habits that mm, you, you can't yeah. really, you can't really do it wrong. Uh, but you know, I definitely recommend it. I do it every single day, man. And it's, it's been one of the major like helpers in my life's trajectory. Yeah, that's really cool. And you talk about tools. One last one that I wanted to touch on, and I know you're, you're kind of an avid reader, but what are some books that you would recommend? Um, and this can be for anybody, but maybe, you know, just somebody who, who's an athlete, but is trying to become, you know, more of a whole person. Man, that's a, that's a tough one. I've read a lot. Yeah, I know that that is a it's tough, a tough one, but for athletes specifically, you know, that's, I get that question a lot. I would say I just finished one and it's, it sounds like the simple, easy answer. Cause I just finished it, but <laughs> it, it's a really good introductory read to the, some of this stuff and they're short chapters. And so you, you can pick it up and read for five minutes and walk away. And I think that is something that I wanted when I first started reading was, you know, I don't want to be sitting and reading for 30 minutes. Maybe I just want to read for five minutes a day. Yeah. I recommend stillness is the key by Ryan holiday. And, uh, he studies basically stoic philosophers and some of the greatest thinkers, uh, of our time, people that go back from, you know, like the Roman age, these philosophers, all these people have been saying the same things and they they talk about warriors and presidents and all these people that have done amazing things with their lives. They kind of dissect how this this idea of stillness, sitting down, meditating, journaling, all these tools we talked about on this podcast, 
you can read about in that book still is the key by Ryan Holiday. Super easy read, you know, pick it up for two minutes a day and you're good. And uh, I think people can take a lot out of that. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And I think that's interesting. That's kind of a commonality that we've seen in all these tools and, and all these terms that we've talked about is, you know, just stillness and, and taking the time to like slow down and reflect and, and understand where you're at and where you want to be. And that's something that's even applied to my faith, you know, is this commonality of just slowing down and being still and listening to the Lord and listening to yourself. And mm. I think that's really interesting. Before I, lo- I let you go, Oh, go I ahead. Go that, ahead. Sorry, man. I had to hit that. I love that you touched on that. Like whatever your version of faith is, you can't hear the guidance you need in your life without slowing down. And with our lives, it's so easy to be on social media and to be listening to videos or listening to podcasts or texting. Like there's so much you could, you could distract yourself every second of every day. And I think if nothing else, practice not distracting yourself for Mm. a few minutes a day. That could be your practice to have nothing on, no notifications, no stimulation to sit there for 10 minutes a day. Maybe that alone might be uncomfortable, but also transformative for, you, your mind, and how you relate to, you know, whatever you need help with at that moment. So I I love that you touched on that. That's very interesting that you say that because I feel like, and I could be wrong with this, but I would say that most, if not all people, aside from those that are, you know, aware and, and, and trying to make this intentional, don't have a moment in their day, maybe not even one where they're not, you know, doing something. And I think that's something that's cultural for you know, our society these days too, but I think it's really interesting. That and, you I, said- and I think there's a, it's not their fault. You know, it's, it's not, yeah. we haven't been taught that sitting and doing nothing is normal. And so it's almost like when, if we don't have something to do, we feel as if something's wrong. Right. And then there's also this other thing, you know, talk about a book, digital minimalism really taught me this book by Cal Newport taught me that the apps we use every day have been designed by some of the smartest thinkers in the world to keep your attention, to make you very addicted to getting back Mm. to checking notifications. The same people who designed uh, casinos to keep people there all day long, spending money that they don't have are the same brains that designed social media. And so as (laughs) and as good as social media is and how you and I can connect from across the world, it also can create this, this uh, constant busyness, this never have enough time to sit still. So I just want to offer that if you are one of those people that never find the time to sit still or to put down distractions, it's not your fault. You know, there's nothing wrong with you, but, you know, it takes commitment and practice and awareness to decide to go against that. And so I just yeah. wanted to touch on that. For sure. Before I let you go, I want to I want to do a speed round real quick and we'll actually bounce off that point that you just made. Cool, man. Um, can you talk about the importance or the impact of like a social detox, even if it's just for a small amount of time? Social media detox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just like, you know, technology man, detox. Man, I think I things are only getting more loud and noisy on social media and the internet in general. I think there is nothing more beneficial for your mind to take a day, take a half a day off of everything. Delete your apps, delete, you know, don't text anybody, don't call anybody, even try to put your phone away and notice, just simply notice how you almost are, you're kind of like a little kid looking for his toy or looking for his, (laughs) like you don't know what to do with yourselves in those first hour or two and you just can really see like, wow, this little device is imprinted on everything I do. Every time I have a moment to breathe, I look at this phone. And when you don't have that for maybe a day or you don't have those apps downloaded for a day, 
you start to notice that. And maybe when you begin to notice that, you, you decide like, huh, I don't want to be that person who fills every moment with distraction. I want to be more still. I want to be, you know, like a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan that was super present in the moment. And that, that sense of presence carries on into, you know, the clutch moments that make them one of the all-time greats. So I think that starts with, uh, you know, taking space away from the things that are making you overly distracted. You know, you can't go from super distracted to not like completely still. So yeah, take a detox. I took a 30-day social media detox. It was super powerful. I, I'm overdue for one again. Uh, super, super recommended, man. Wow, that's really cool. And I think just like you said, I've, I've felt that too. When When you do take that break, I think the most eye-opening part is like the moment when you realize, wow, I, like w- what am I supposed to be doing right now? Like why am I not rushing around? And it's just mm. like kind of insightful to yourself. So that's really interesting. Exactly, man. Can you give us maybe some resources or maybe even just like one more book, maybe outside of being an athlete, but also some resources maybe on meditation or some other things that we can take away from this, like you said, apps or maybe just repeat those even or if there's anything else you'd like to add? Totally. I would recommend, based off that last point, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. It's a book and I think if you read that, you will be one of the most informed people in the world about how these apps can mess up your mental clarity. Also, with in regards to the apps we talked about, I recommend Headspace for meditation. I recommend Calm for meditation. LeBron just partnered with them. Um, visualization, I don't have – you could look up Joe Dispenza's work on YouTube, Dr. <laughs> Joe Dispenza. He is kind of leading – uh, the brain research behind this, he has studied thousands and thousands of brains, seeing how there is a literal mind-body connection between the thoughts you think and the results you can produce in your life. Um, yeah, man, Interesting. If, if people dive into those things, I think they'll be ahead of the curve. Right, and we could we could spend an hour on each of those, and you exactly. can inform our listeners on that, but that's great to be able to take away from this, and I really appreciate that. All right, a few more questions, we'll pop them off. Cool. Who's your favorite hooper? Current or of all time? All time. Yeah. Ah, Kobe Bryant. I have to. I'm from LA. But if right. it's not if it's not the easy answer of Kobe, I mean, I studied everything about Kobe. I would say Steve Nash. I mean, he was just a uh, an underrated, you know, just stud. And I I think he's like a really he's a good example of someone who has a good head on his shoulders, super calm. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. super super kind guy. So uh, Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant are my two. That's a great pick. Yeah. All right, last last two questions. What's next for you and, you know, your work? That's a good question, man. I'm really excited about making some more videos. I know that sounds silly, but I've been doing the podcast. I've been doing a lot of writing, but video, I mean, my job is working as a, like a video video creator and I have never made videos for my own audience. And that, sure. that to me is silly. And I think it's one of my biggest life's purposes and works is to take these ideas and make them really refined and digestible and entertaining through video. So I think that is a big thing. I'm excited about some of the videos I have coming out. And then, you know, continuing to support athletes in this domain, I think is something I'm excited about. I've been hopping on the phone with more people like you. I've been creating resources, maybe a couple online courses that can help people actually implement this stuff more easily. Uh, So that's, that's what's next for me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate all the work that you've put out as well. And I know listeners will too. Last question before I let you go. What's one piece of advice? And I guess you can make it applicable to this podcast, maybe for for a hooper that's, you know, trying to grow as a person or even just anybody just trying to grow. 
What's one piece of advice you would give? Hmm, that's that's tough, man. Yeah, one piece of one. advice for a hooper. Do you? So, is it for my former self as a hooper, or is it just anybody? Yeah, let's phrase it that way. If you could, if you could tell yourself when you were 20, one thing. Man, I would say two things. Is one, humble yourself a little more to learning from the people around you. I think I was pretty good at the time, and I only wanted to learn from people that I wanted to learn from. But I think as I've grown older, anybody in the world, you can. Everybody's better than you at something. There's something to learn in everybody. Everybody has their unique magic to learn from. And I think yeah. the people who are able to humble themselves and kind of see the light in every single person are able to learn and grow the most. And I think I definitely shut myself off from a lot of good teachings at a young age because I wasn't uh, open to learning from certain people that I thought I was better than. Uh, and I've learned since. And then another thing is, man, just take as much time as you can to get to know yourself and what you truly want and who you really are. And, you know, finding stillness like we talked about is one of the best ways to do that, because when you know who you are and what you stand for and what you're about, all the things that you used to get worked up about start to make a little less impact on your life. And when you know who you are, uh, life just gets a little bit easier and a little more playful and a little more fun. So that, that'd be my two pieces of advice. Absolutely. And those are great words. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and you've you've given me and everybody who listens to this a lot to take from it. So I really appreciate that and appreciate the work that you're doing. 